the headlines are filled with mass shootings and violence. Today's guest helps people and companies to prepare for and survive the worst. I'm Matt Murray, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. So Matt, yes, I um I had my first uh, encounter with uh, with our guest's company at my first encounter of uh, Made in New England uh, back in December, and um, the conversation I remember having was that you know that it was it, there, there was more to it than just say firearms training or something like that, and we we had a in depth conversation, and I'll let them tell the you know I'll let Rob tell the story in a little while, but. Uh, in terms of who they are, but um, it was fascinating to me that th- that this company is out there uh, and, and you know what they're doing. And I know you've spoken to him uh, as well, and and included him uh, in in his expertise, as it were, in some articles. But um, I'm just fascinated uh, by it, and it's also it, quite honestly like it's a little bit scary to to think about because we have to think about these things these days, but. It's real. That stuff is real, and and they are actually providing a service, a, a really uh, integral service, I think. So I'm I'm kind of excited. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, because I mean, these are conversations that companies are having, and now that we own a company, um, you know, you you do think about, you know, how do you keep yourself and your employees safe? How do you, you know what do you need to think about? Um, because unfortunately, that's the world we find ourselves in, um, and true. so you know, you don't want to give into the fear, but you also want to make sure you're prepared because. We've seen it time and time again, you know, you go to the movie theater, you're going to a concert, you know, things that you think are are safe or, um, you know, that you're just going out to have a good time. And then the next thing you know, there's, you know, a tragic headline. Um, So, yeah, it's 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 important discussions that companies are having and an important one we're going to have today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess we delve right in. Um, Our guest this week is Rob Thibault, owner and certified instructor at Manchester-based Critical Defense Institute. For over 13 years, Critical Defense Institute has focused on the education, training, practice, and assessment of lawful self-defense skills. These skills are taught and evaluated by learned instructors under the supervision of qualified safety officers within the group of other qualified and engaged participants. The goal of CDI is to create an environment for advanced defense training, which I think is really fascinating. Rob, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, You have a background as a firearms instructor, an extensive career, but CDI is more than firearms training. So why did you decide to start this business? And and, um, tell us a little bit more about everything that you are doing. Sure. So actually, we started back um, in the early 90s. Mm. I started teaching martial arts. So I'm a lifelong martial arts, martial artist and martial arts instructor. So I started teaching in uh, 92. I started my own martial arts school in Manchester, right on Elm Street, actually, nice. uh, in 93. And that's pretty much what I focused on until around 2003, 2002, 2003, Mm -hmm. and started getting into more of the firearms portion of my business. Uh, And then um, that really took off 
And that's pretty much what we focus on for the most part today. We do corporate, we do military, law enforcement, civilian, and corporate uh, firearms training, defensive um, firearms training. We do reality-based force-on-force training, active shooter. We do passive active shooter threat mitigation, and we do armed active shooter threat mitigation. So passive active shooter threat mitigation would be something that we would teach in school systems. Oh, yeah, so, thank you. So, you know, obviously students, teachers, faculty, staff members, mm-hmm. K through college. And then the obviously the armed version would be in the civilian sector as well as mm-hmm. actually in the, the law enforcement. We just had Central and Southern Maine Regional SWAT down for training last October. And we wow. focused on some active shooter training and um, barricaded subjects and hostage negotiation and canine work. So our, our work really is, is pretty, it, it's pretty wide as far as what we do. Uh, we, we scale the business so that we're always busy. <laughs> uh, so whether we're doing civilian firearms training or we're working with law enforcement agencies, mm-hmm. we also do tactical medicine as well. So in fact, that's how we met um, back in, I wanna say 2000, I wanna say 2016, mm-hmm. I think we met Made in, the Made in New Hampshire folks. Yes. Um, it was an interesting, it was, we went in a very interesting manner. And, um, and that's how we, we came to the New Hampshire, Made New Hampshire Expo, where we're nice. between, you know, potpourri and cookies and, <laughs> and candles and paintings. Right. And then there's us, you know, and, and people yeah. are like, well, you know, what, what are you guys doing here? This is great. We've actually really get a very good reception when we're there which is well, not what I expected, to be honest. Right. And that, so that's kind of what I was going to ask you, too, about being at that show or shows like that. Um, what are the conversations you're having with folks when they see you and they realize, wait a minute, he's not potpourri or candles or, you know, whatever uh, else, uh, but he is this. And so what are those conversations then like? It's surprisingly really good. I thought at first people were going to be like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing here? You know, and. Yeah. We actually get a very warm reception from people. Um, we actually do very well at the Made in New Hampshire Expo, business-wise. We we sign up. In fact, I have to um, now at this point, I have to allocate classes or or numbers of classes for that show because otherwise we'll sell out. Uh, the first year we did it, we sold out. I want to say seven months of my classes. Wow. So we had lines. <laughs> I mean, there are times at the expo where the people, the other vendors next to us are annoyed with us because we have so many people around our booth. And it's, it, was, it was shocking to me. And we have so many people that come to us and say, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you being here. And obviously this resonates with folks. So what is it that, uh, about what's going on in the world now or what's going on in people's lives that's driving this interest? I think people are starting to realize that it's on them to take their personal safety, uh, to take on their personal safety, to take responsibility for their own personal safety. And I think with everything that's happening uh, around the country and around the world, quite frankly, that people are just now realizing, hey, if something bad happens, the only person that's going to be there for me is me. Or you know, who's gonna protect my wife, my family, my husband, my, 
mm-hmm. my, you know, my, my grandparents, you know, the only person that is going to be there to protect you in an active shooter situation, let's say, is, is you. You're the first line of defense. You are the first responder um, that is going to have to take care of that situation. And I think people are coming, more and more people are coming to the realization of that, and they're taking on that responsibility themselves. It is a breadth of services that you have, that you offer, and that uh, you've built the company around. But that also takes a lot of expertise. So how do you go about getting expertise or finding the people with expertise that can talk to a company about what to do to protect employees during an active shooter versus, um, you know, teaching a lot uh, enforcement professionals versus the uh, person coming off the street that wants to learn how to handle a gun. Sure, and that's that can be difficult sometimes because one one day I could be teaching somebody who's never touched a firearm in their life, and the next day we could be doing barricaded subjects uh, and tactical entries, canine training with law enforcement agencies. So it's it's a pretty wide gap of of customers. I, I can tell you that our our average customer is not a gun enthusiast. Our average customer is somebody who's just, again, someone who wants to take on their personal safety, the responsibility of their personal safety, and not have to rely on other people. And that's really from people from the ages, I would say our demographic is probably somebody in their mid 30s to I have people in their 70s and 80s that take classes from us. Um, so, you know, the necessity, you know, we started off with just doing defensive firearms training and, and it's, the business has scaled to tactical medicine, active shooter threat mitigation. Um, and then of course, getting into the law enforcement end of it, just having a training facility where law enforcement agencies can come in and train. And, you know, we have state of the art equipment and, um, Give them, you know, a lot of departments can't afford that type of gear, mm, and right. and don't quite frankly don't have a lot. A lot of these departments don't have people to facilitate the training, mm-hmm. um, so that's where we come in and and help facilitate the training, uh, provide them with gear, equipment that they're going to need, and um, and also a facility that they can train in. Wow. So how did um, how did you get into or gain this experience? Did you have a military career at all? I had a very, 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 very short stint in the military. Um, <laughs> I learned nothing that I'm teaching today from my very short career in the military. Got it, um, got it. I, uh, I was actually medically discharged at a very, very early, um, very early in my military career from a pre-existing injury that I received when I, I was a competitive fighter. That's how I started off. I did competitive fighting all through my younger years and and into my teenage and my early 20s. Wow. And I did full contact mixed mixed martial arts type stuff Mm -hmm. where, you know, it was very real world stuff. The stuff that I was doing down south was, you know, knockouts a win and everything else is a lose. So... When I started getting into firearms training, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm going, what, what are we doing here? We're, we're shooting a piece of paper that's not moving, that's not giving us any stress whatsoever. And this is not training, this isn't real world. So I, you know, we did um, a lot of square range training or range training where we're shooting static pieces of paper. 
And after a while, it's just, you know, we're looking at this and, you know, we're trying to create the most realistic training environment we can. And we're trying to provide the best training we can. And shooting a piece of paper just is not really enough. So I got in touch with a company called General Dynamics, and they have a, a training system called Simunition. And Simunition allows us to take real guns and convert them to a, uh, a training cartridge. It's a nine millimeter cartridge. It's fired out of a real firearm. Uh, we convert that firearm to shoot a nine millimeter simulation round or, or wow. simunition round. Mm -hmm. And when we convert the firearm, it pre precludes us from being able to uh, chamber a conventional lethal cartridge. So it's, it's safe. Oh, um, and so it allows us to put our students in real life situations where they're going to need to make a law, a threat assessment and then apply a lawful use of force, um, after making that threat assessment. And that's really important. Pe people understanding the law, the force continuum, what they can do and what they can't do legally is a very big part of being a firearm owner. So we str that's what we really, in our civilian courses, that's the biggest thing that we stress is lawful use of force. So this allows us to put the student under a tremendous amount of stress where their sympathetic nervous system is now triggered. They're the dumbest person they've ever been in their life at one of the most critical points in their life. And it allows them to draw a real firearm off their body once they've made that, that threat assessment that, that lawfully allows them to do that. It allows them to draw that firearm off their body and actually shoot a person, which is a, the emotional side of that is, is unbelievably uh, important. It's important that people understand the emotional implications of doing that. And I think it really drives that, that home to people when they're actually doing that. And that's an important part of the training. Um, you know, we tell people, if you don't have the mindset to do this, you shouldn't be doing it. And mm -hmm. this allows us to reinforce that mindset, to teach that mindset and reinforce it so that people are, are ready for those types of things um, because it's a, it's a life-changing event. Wow. And it's not something that everybody is equipped for or everybody understands. So we try to, mm -hmm. again, we're trying to, make the, we're trying to create the most realistic training environment we can by adding the stress element, uh, by utilizing real firearms, not paintball or airsoft or, yeah. or those types of things, and really hitting home the psychological, the mental aspects of, of this. So people are more prepared for, God forbid, if they ever have to do it. Wow. This is, um, this is wild. And I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking too, like you said about shooting a piece of paper, and I think you're, you're dead on, obviously, pardon the pun, but um, that it doesn't you're standing in a gun range shooting a piece of paper. It doesn't really do much to you except for, you know, maybe a little bit of the reaction of shooting a gun if you haven't really before. But, um, so this is fascinating. I didn't realize it was to that, uh, extent of, of realistic situation, but it makes sense the way that you explained it. And, uh, because you're not going to be standing at a, pa a piece of paper if something were to go wrong someday. Right. And the, and the missing ingredient in most training is stress. Like mm. I just did, I offered free active shooter training for school districts in New Hampshire for teachers for the summer. So if you are a teacher in, in New Hampshire and you wanted to take uh, my two-day active shooter course, one, uh, the first day was active shooter threat mitigation, and then the second day was tactical medicine, treating gunshot wounds. And mm -hmm. then at the, the second half of the second day, we ran scenarios. We ran those teachers through real-life scenarios where they actually had to barricade uh, a room. So in my mm -hmm. facility, we have a fully furnished 
house, apartment, if you will. And so we set it up so that they have to identify the threat, where it is, communicate to other sections of or other teachers that are located in other areas of the facility mm. and then decide whether they're going to evacuate, get out of there, or if it's better for them to actually actively barricade. So we're talking about teaching them communication. Um, I, well, I, first, before that, identifying that there's a threat and then deciding what to do with that threat. Do we uh, need to communicate that right now or do we need to go to a safer place and communicate that? Uh, do we actively uh, try to you know, have an egress option? Do we try to get out of here? Or is it safer for us to actually lock down and barricade? And we actually put them in situations where they're going to have to barricade. We put all kinds of things in that room that will allow them to barricade. And we do a test teach on the first iteration so they understand how important this is and how important it is for everybody to be involved in an sure. active shooter situation so that there aren't people just standing around watching. Um, mm -hmm. I always say if it's, if it's not nailed, screwed, screwed, um, or, or, you know, permanently mounted somewhere, it needs to come and, and get somewhere where it's going to go to use, ideally wow. in front of the, uh, the door. So we, mm. we, we um, do the test teach, and they usually fail miserably on the first one, but they understand <laughs> the sense of urgency and determination that they need in order, to, in, in order to survive this situation. And then we actually teach them how to use common things that are in the classroom to help barricade that door, in-swinging, out-swinging, uh, how to deal with windows, glass, those kinds of things. And then we mm. teach them how to deal with that threat if by some chance that threat does make it in that room. So we teach countering uh, as well. So it's, it's options-based active shooter threat mitigation. And we actually have instructors that actually try to make entry into that room. And we're firing guns. I mean, it's, we're, we're adding stress to the, uh, you know, to the scenarios. We have, in situations, we'll put um, wounded people. We have prosthetics that actually mm. bleed. Um, so we'll have instructors that are uh, propped in, in the rooms or in the hallways where we'll actually have them with gunshot wounds that are actually bleeding. Um, we have uh, prosthetics, uh, prosthetic inguinal uh, trainers where they're gonna have to wound pack. And then we have uh, tourniquet trainers that actually bleed. So they need to know, you know when they're gonna start doing that pre-hospital trauma life support, when not to. So it's, it's, a, it's a very immersive, very comprehensive active shooter threat mitigation program. And at the end, everybody experiences what it's like to be involved in an active shooting and what it's like to have blood and gunshot wounds and the stress. Wow. So that then when they walk out of there, they're much better prepared. Um, oh, I nice. as having, a, my, you know, I'm a parent and it's frustrating to me that school districts aren't doing more of this training. And it's, it's unfortunate that they're really not. Um, yeah, well, you are you are certainly immersed in it and doing it doing it well. It seems um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. McLean Middleton is a full service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. We're back with Rob Thibault of Concord-based Critical Defense Institute. 
Wow. Um, Rob, you've shared a lot with us. Um, I've got a little, uh, a little goosebumps myself and, um, and, uh, I can hear your passion, uh, and, and you're obviously extremely experienced at, at this, uh, with everything that you're offering. Um, if I am a, say an owner of a company, uh, and, and I reach out to you, um, what are you able to provide? Um, I read uh, that you, are able to also, in addition to doing this type of training that you've explained, um, develop emergency plans for folks. So what it, what does that entail and what is um, what is it like for you working with a company to incorporate all of these pieces? Sure. So when a company calls us, generally we ask how immersive or how comprehensive of a training do you want? So do you want PowerPoint where I'm basically just describing, I'm showing uh, I'm doing a, a PowerPoint app uh, presentation where, you know, we're kind of discussing all the parts of an active shooting and statistics and, and then kind of explain to them what they should be doing. Or do you want that in w- along with some more immersive type training or kinesthetic type training where we're going to now go in and we're going to put you through some of this? It uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a full-fledged scenario-based training, but it could be, you know, actively trying to teaching me, or I'm teaching you how to barricade. So I'll take the the employees of the company and we'll, um, we'll teach them how to barricade a door, um, more kind of tabletop kind of stuff. And then from there, we could say, well, if you want to do that, we can also add some of the reality-based stuff, some of the more reality-based force-on-force training where we're actually going to immerse you in an active shooter situation where you're going to have to barricade under stress. And then we do uh, a tactical medicine element. So I have paramedics and EMTs on my staff that are actually um, there to teach the tactical medicine or the pre-hospital trauma life support side of it. Most, it's treating, we already know what the mechanism of injury is. It's a gunshot wound. So we'll go through using tourniquets, packing wounds, using occlusive dressings. Um, if we have open pneumo or if we have some type of open chest uh, wound. So we'll teach how to deal with that. So there's a lot of pieces. We can really customize the training from very basic, just sitting there and looking at a PowerPoint mm-hmm. to some basic hands-on, some basic barricading stuff to full immersive reality-based training. And then from there we can do, we can add, you know, the tactical medicine element. So it's really up to the business as to, as to whether they're going to decide what type of training they're going to get in. And I, I would definitely recommend if you're more in the industrial environment, mm-hmm. um, the, the stop the bleed element, if you will, or the, you know, the pre-hospital trauma life support side of it is, is really nice to have. We do a lot of just stop the bleed classes for companies. You know, active shooter side, we are part of the, the stop the bleed program, which is a nationally based program. And huh? we have, I myself am a stop the bleed instructor and I have, I think I have six or seven active shooter, or as I'm sorry, uh, six or seven stop the bleed, certified stop the bleed instructors on staff. So huh? we'll actually go to companies that just want stop the bleed training. And that's about a, a three to four hour program that, um, that we teach. That's kind of a, a nationwide program that we teach. And this is such a horrifying and frantic situation that people can find themselves in where the decisions they have to make in a split second can mean life and death. 
Can you talk about what are some of the the basic mistakes people can make in that situation and maybe some uh, initial tips for what people need to look for or do that can help save them? Sure. So the number one mistake is not having a training. Uh, Number two mistake is not having the items that you really should have to help you get through those situations. So for example, most companies will have first aid kits, but they don't have trauma kits. So they'll say, well, we're going to make our employees do the CPR AED training and the basic first aid stuff, which is great. And I would definitely recommend we teach CPR. We actually have a a course where we teach CPR, AED, Narcan, and epinephrine all in one, and Stop the Bleed actually in one course. It's one eight-hour class. So it's good that they're teaching them CPR, AED, but it's it's more than that now. Now we're talking about having trauma kits, um, kits that are going to help you if there's a mass hemorrhage system, uh, situation, uh, gunshot wounds, um, industrial accidents, those kinds of things. More and more people are being trained. When Stephen Paddock went up into the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas and, and shot all those people in that concert venue, you know, the only reason why there weren't more casualty or more uh, deaths in that situation, in that mass casualty situation, was because there were a lot of off-duty first responders there. There were prior military people that have gone through CLS, combat life support training, as, a, as mandatory training in the military now. They have to go through a, a basic trauma or combat life-saving course. So you had a lot of veterans there. You had a lot of current military, prior military, off-duty first responders. You had a lot of people there that were able to help because I don't care how big your trauma center is, when you have that many casualties involved, there aren't going to be enough people, professionals, if you will, to help those people. So it's up to us to be that first responder in a lot of these cases where you've got hundreds of people in that case that are wounded and that are going to need some type of medical care. So it's important that people have those items, have an IFAC, have a, an individual first aid kit that also has trauma, gauze, occlusive dressings, tourniquets, things that you're going to need in a trauma, in an in a active shooting type environment, gunshot wounds, along with all the other things that you would have in that first aid kit. So they just need to supplement their training, their AED CPR training with more trauma-based uh, mm-hmm. training, stop the bleed, and then have a more um, comprehensive first aid kit that it also is going to include things like gauze, uh, hemostatic gauze, um, occlusive dressings, all kinds of tourniquets. Those are the things that you need to now include in those first aid kits. So, and then having the training to be able to use those items. And, it, and it's not hard. It's not hard at all. You just have to take the time to do this. And the more people that are trained to do it, the better off we all are as a society. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a great point. And it's not, you know, it's not then, then you take that expertise or that training anyway. And, and it's not just something you might use at work, or it might be something that you would use in your community or use at a concert or, or, you know, unfortunately in a car. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's uh, certainly transferable skills as it were. 
but um, fascinating, fascinating. And I, I could listen to you all day because it's not a, uh, a speak that I know much about, and, and it's just fascinating, and, and I appreciate your your passion for it. Um, what fuels your passion for this work? The idea that we're, we are taking people and we are enveloping them we're, or we're, de- we're developing them. We are preparing them mm-hmm. for these critical dynamic incidences that are happening in our world today. We're empowering them to be able to take this, uh, this, this very serious thing and, and, and prepare themselves for these types of situations that are now occurring and not rely on the first responders that are going to take and sometimes tens of minutes to get there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, it's really up to us. It, the, our survival is, is in these situations is really predicated upon the people that are there, that are in your immediate location, your direct right. vicinity. Are they going to have the training necessary to save your life? And, and people are starting to realize that, hey, you know what? I don't want to rely on those people anymore. I want to I get this training for myself. I can do it. It's just going to take a little bit of time out of my out of my schedule, but in the end, it's it's really really worth it. And you were talking about how you started off as a professional fighter. At what point, what clicked in you that you went from being a professional fighter, brief stint military, and then where did, where in your your professional path did it, did entrepreneurial instinct kicked in and you decided to start this company. So when you start training and you're training for years and years and years and, and, and you're really well versed in the training that you're, you've been doing and then you, one day you realize this isn't enough. Like what we're doing isn't really preparing people. It, it's like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So when I would get ready for a fight, me going in and working speed drills on on focus mitts or hitting a heavy bag or those kinds of things are good fundamentally. Going to a range and shooting a piece of paper is really good for working on your stance, your grip, indexing the gun to the target and pressing the trigger, but it's not um, enough. So working fundamentals, speed work on the bags is great and you need those. Those are vital vital um, fundamentals to have and you need to train with those with, with those. Um, you know, uh, for, you just you need to train using those fundamentals or those those training um, uh, procedures, but it's not enough. So when we start getting into, I'll tell you what changed me. I was involved. I was stabbed when I was 22 years old down in Florida, oh, wow. down in Tampa, Florida, and it happened very quick. It was very violent, and luckily because I had a fighting background, uh, it was fairly minor. But that really changed things for me because it made me realize that what I'm doing in the ring is very different than what's actually going to happen out in the real world. And, you know, that was something that that was the light bulb that went on in my head. And and after that, I said, you know, look, we're going to we're going to change how we do things now. We're going to everything that we do, we're going to we're going to look at it and we're going to say, is this going to help us? in a real life critical dynamic incident, or are we just fooling ourselves? So everything that we teach is, we try to teach as much primal gross motor f- process as we can. Um, understanding that our sympathetic nervous system is gonna take over, we're gonna become a lizard at some point, and uh, 
you know, we know that the average student that's going to come train with us is is not going to practice as much as they should. Um, they're perishable skill sets. So how do we make our curriculums as as effective as we can with those with those things in mind, right? So we try to keep everything down to primal gross motor process. So what can we teach our students that they can walk away with at the end of the day and maintain? Um, keep it simple, but be helpful to them. Again, our objective is to get them to survive that critical dynamic incident as, as best as we can. Um, but it's really just, again, having that real world encounter really changed my, my, my really how I look at things. Um, it really changed me. And I think that was a very, I think that was a pivotal part of my life where I really decided what I wanted to do after all this. You know, it really set me into the, the career path that I, I wanted to be in. Do you want to hear really quickly how we became? Yeah. So I was teaching an active, so I was hired to do the tactical medicine portion of active shooter training that was held at the Capitol Theater. And I want to say it was around 2016. And it was for events professionals, right? It was right? for events professionals. Yeah. And I was teaching, we, we had the FBI, we had uh, Greg from the FBI there. We had Michelle Clark from the state of New Hampshire, from New Hampshire State Police. And then there was me. And I was teaching the tactical medicine part of the training. And we had an individual have a medical event right there yes. in front of us. That's right. I remember Kelly and Heidi coming back and talking about yes. this. That person went into cardiac arrest. So I immediately got on him with another individual and we saved this guy's, I mean, I say we saved this guy's life. We got him back. I'll just say that. Um, and I think it was, um, who was it that came to me? Uh, uh, probably either Kelly, our events director, or Heidi Copeland, who was the publisher at the yeah, time. Yeah, they, they came up to me and they said, um, because WMUR was actually filming and they were live streaming the entire event. So wow. WMUR wanted to interview. So they obviously interviewed me after because it was a big, you know, that was a, a light bulb moment for them too. It was a, really a light bulb moment for everybody because we actually had a critical dynamic a critical dynamic incident occur in a critical dynamic incident training. Oh, <laughs> so, so they came up to me and they said, We're, you're a scary guy, but what you did was unbelievable. And we need more people out there trained in this stuff. Mm -hmm. It was the, you know, and they actually asked me, I think somebody asked me, did you plant this guy in there? <laughs> now this guy lost like three or four teeth when, when he went down and it's like, geez, no, we didn't plant that. We would never do that. Um, but um, yeah, they said that was amazing. And you need, you need to come to the Made in New England and Made in New Hampshire expos so more and more people can be exposed to this kind of stuff. And that's how we got in between potpourri and cookies. And with everything going on, you know, the, doesn't seem a week goes by that there isn't some sort of major event that is reported on. Does that continue to drive growth at the company? Is, is that driving demand in your services? And where, do, where what's your plans for the company going forward? So it does. It definitely does. So during COVID, we were the busiest we've ever been. Yeah, well, people had a lot of extra time on their hands, and 
a lot of people were concerned. They were concerned about some of the social issues that were happening in the happening in the country. Um, there was a lot of social um, uh, uproars in certain parts of the country, and people were concerned about that. There were uh, politics. Politics plays a huge role. Uh, every time that there's a presidential election or even a midterm election, it seems that we start to get busier because, again, people are concerned politically. They're concerned about some of the, um, you know, the social things that are happening and some of the social un- unrest. Um, they're worried about economy, you know, in other products and other services. It's really slow down when people are worried about a slow economy. Um, we get busier because people are concerned that bad things are going to happen. Um, so we'll start to pick up and, you know, people are scared. There are people out there that are scared about uh, what's what's coming and they want to prepare themselves the best possible way they can. So, Paul, you know, elections really help us anytime there's, unfortunately, anytime that there's an active shooter situation, um, you know, that will, that will drive business. I, 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 you know, it's not really the way that I want to get the business, but it's there and it happens. And people, unfortunately, that's the reminder that people sometimes need to have to say, we need to prepare ourselves. We need to, we need to do this before it happens to us. Um, I get a lot of people that have had situations happen to them um, or somebody in their family and they call me frantically and they, and they'll say, look, we had this happen to us and we don't want it to ever happen again. Can you help us? So we deal a lot of women. Um, I would say our demographic, we deal with a lot of women. I would, when I first started doing firearms instruction, we would have an occasional female in our class. Now I would say that, well, I'll put it this way. I used to do women's only firearms classes and now I stopped doing them because the vast, uh, not the vast majority, but I would say at least half the class are now women. So it, I, I didn't have the resources to, to add a, an additional women's class because I have so many people that are taking the classes that, and women, most women don't mind being in a, in a co-ed class at this point. So they just want the training. So it's, it's really nice. It's, 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 uh, it's really nice when I look in the room and I see all these women that are empowering themselves. They're, they're tired of, of waiting for other people to you know, to, they're taking on responsibility for their own safety. And I love it. It's great. And um, a lot of women. So uh, we are very, that's the nice thing about us is we are very family, very female friendly as well. Um, so we do get a lot of women that come in that are either doing um, really a lot of firearms training, um, combatives, we teach a combatives course three times a week there. Um, and a lot of TAC med as well. But more and more women, are getting are getting involved in it, and it's it's really uh, it's really driving business quite a bit. It's a great, great. demographic. Great. Yeah, absolutely. it's a demographic absolutely. that we cater to now because now we're hiring. You know, I have a, a female instructor on staff, and um, we're now th- offering holsters and gun options for women because you know women wear fitted clothing more so than men and so that can be a challenge as far as carrying a firearm concealed so now there's a lot of companies out there that are manufacturing holsters and and retention systems specifically for women that we didn't have even five years ago firearms now are being marketed or being designed and manufactured more towards women and so we have to stay on that and um and you know we we pay attention to that in in our classes because like I said they're they're half our demographic now, 
and it's awesome. It's great to see him in the class. That is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of great, um, it has been absolutely great having you share your passion, your story, um, and all about Critical Defense Institute. I, um, I knew a little bit, but I certainly didn't know that much. And I'm so thankful that um, you were here to, to tell the story and to share that. Um, if folks want to meet you and, and your team, uh, they can do that this year, hopefully, at Maiden New Hampshire's Expo uh, April 14, 15, and 16 at the Double Tree by Hilton in downtown Manchester. Um, and uh, thank you for being part of that as well, Rob. And um, thanks for being part of today. Thanks. Thanks it. for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group. <laughs>